Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Adam Tishman of Helix, mattresses made to fit your body type and sleep position. As Helix has become massively successful, they expanded into other brands, creating all form and birch, supporting their own categories of comfort. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Adam Tishman of Helix. Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Of course. So I'd like to start out with your upbringing. Uh, where did you grow up and what would you say your childhood was like? Yeah, definitely. So um, I grew up in New York City. Um, so b- born and bred New York City guy. I uh, live here now. So I guess you know it, it's true what they say. It's hard for people that are born here to, to, to leave ultimately. But yeah, um, grew up. Yeah. So childhood was, was great. I, I had a really fortunate childhood. My dad uh, worked in finance. My mom was an architect. So both of my parents worked. Um, I am the oldest of three, so younger brother that is about two and a half years younger than me, and a younger sister that is about six years younger than me. So um, really, you know, sort of normal childhood. For sure. Would you see an entrepreneurial mindset growing up, say, lemonade stands or Sony products at a young age? Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. I, you know, I wouldn't, I didn't have like a, a business when I was eight years old that, you know, some, some people talk about, but yeah, I actually distinctly remember a friend and I, when we were, we must've been around eight, nine, 10, something like that. Um, we actually wrote Hershey's, the chocolate company, um, basically suggesting a new candy bar to them. And <laughs> I remember like sort of product, like I mean, product developing, right. Thinking yeah. about a new product. And we were like, thought we had this innovative idea for a white chocolate candy bar with uh, sprinkles, rainbow sprinkles in it and we sent it like we sort of like put together like you know like a page or two on it and we sent it uh to hershey's corporate and kind of forgot about it and three months later we actually received a letter back from them which basically said thank you so much you know unfortunately we have an internal r&d i mean at the time i didn't know what i was reading but we have an internal r&d team uh that does all of our candy bar development Um, but i swear 10 years later, I think I saw that candy bar on a shelf. So I don't, I don't know if that, uh, that swayed anything, but, um, yeah, it was that. And then outside of that normal, normal stuff, right? Like, um, totally. yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. For sure. So I saw you ended up going to Princeton in 2005. Uh, what did you end up studying there? Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, so I went to Princeton for undergrad, which was a great experience because I was a undergrad sort of general, uh, you know, across the board, liberal arts major. Um, my main focus while in school there was actually on European history, um, with a, like a specific focus on sort of medieval and late antiquity. So literally nothing related to starting a company, nothing related to yeah. uh, anything along those lines. Uh, I actually wrote my thesis on, um, Attila the Hun and nomadic tribes in, in late antiquity. So uh, again, far, far away from, um, entrepreneurship but what i liked about going there was you know definitely a wide range of learning across the board and i think that you know the skills you learn in a liberal arts education at least for me are are really highly applicable like critical thinking writing um on you know understanding how to read like reading long text and understanding how to sort of see through that yeah Um, but you know took a couple classes on entrepreneurship but outside of that mostly mostly uh more liberal arts Interesting. So I'm curious, following uh, your time there, what did you end up doing? Uh, what was your aspirations going into school with that degree? And then what did you end up doing following graduation? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I think going into school, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I think that that is 
both normal and fine, right? Yeah. I, you know, I talked to a lot of young people and, and I, you know, my, my mom was someone who went in high school, knew she wanted to be an architect, went to college, majored in that, went to grad school and then became an architect. And that's awesome. But, yeah. you know, not everyone has that sort of foresight into, into what they want to do and what they want to be. Um, so I went in with an open mind, uh, knew I liked history, but knew I wanted to do something more probably in business, um, unclear what that meant. Mm -hmm. um, so while I was in school, I interned the summer after my junior year at an investment bank. Um, mm -hmm. Just to check that out, it was actually the summer of 2008 and I interned at Lehman Brothers. And so for the, the, the business historians in the room, that was a really interesting time. It was, the, it was actually the time where um, we got, I received a full-time offer mm. from Lehman Brothers in August and by September, Lehman Brothers went bankrupt. Wow. So it was a really weird time. Barclays um, bought Lehman Brothers, actually honored the offers, but you know, looking at other opportunities in the, basically in the fall of 2008 into the spring of 2009 was, was sort of a weird time. Yeah. So I ended up staying with that. I worked um, in investment banking briefly, uh, but pretty quickly realized that um, what was more interesting for me was being on the company side of things and, and less so perhaps on um, the deal-making side. Yeah. And so uh, thereafter went to a brand incubator here, uh, here in New York. And basically it was sort of a cool company. What it did was it, it had basically three verticals of how it thought about business. First was it teamed up with emerging brands and helped in the sort of typical brand incubator retainer model where, you know, we would fees for services um, and examples of those. The probably the best known example of that was Zico coconut water um, okay. and, and, a, and a few other sort of consumer packaged goods brands. The second was uh, we would take a piece of equity in exchange for those services. And those services ranged from marketing to business development to brand development, creative, um, yeah. all those types of things. And then finally, we actually started uh, a few brands in-house. And so um, that's sort of where I spent a little bit more of my time. And the biggest brand that we started in-house was a, a sort of CPG brand called Sheets, which was a... Um, Think of it as like a dissolvable energy strip. So basically like a five hour energy meets a Listerine strip. So instead of yeah. taking a five hour energy or a cup of coffee, you would take it uh, through, a, through a Listerine strip type technology. Um, and we actually got that into something like 50,000 stores across the country and, and wow. grew it out. Um, and I ran business development for that. Um, did that for a couple of years. It wasn't something I wanted to do forever. I was sort of junior at that point and, and wanted to move on and then and then ended up going to business school. Uh, thereafter. Amazing. So yeah, during this time period of working specifically with D2C brands, I'm curious, um, you went went on to business school. What was the aspiration going into there? Did you f focus more on entrepreneurship at this point? What was that like? Yeah, by the time I uh, went to business school, I knew I wanted to uh, be in the entrepreneurship world, let's say, yeah. uh, whether that meant starting my own company right out of business school or joining an early to mid-stage startup. I, it was one of those sort of options. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the experience that I had in advance of that, I, I really enjoyed the, the stage of company when, when companies are small, when they're growing, when there's a lot of decision-making. Um, I, I think there's opportunities for um, people early on in their careers to really level up. If you're at, if you're willing to live in a, in, in a little bit of an unstructured framework at a young company, like that's where people sort of, instead of it taking a five-year roadmap, it's sort of like a two and a half year roadmap. You, you can sort of like level up a little bit faster. And yeah. so that's what was really interesting to me. And so 
Uh, when I went to Wharton, it was it was really focused on that. I knew I wanted to major in um, managerial entrepreneurship, which is sort of what they call it there, and then focus on on a few other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then basically, that's that's where Helix was born. So um, yeah, amazing. So yeah, I'm curious. During this time frame, were you in school when Helix was getting evolved, and what was the inspiration towards entering specifically the sleep space? Was there a problem for yourself? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, going to business school was was maybe the first time I had to buy a new mattress. I think the mattresses I had before, uh, between college and business school, I had sort of like gotten old ones from my parents' home or, or something along those lines. Yeah. And moving to a new city, buying a new mattress, it, it was just really bad. I mean, this was back in 2015, or excuse me, 2013. And, um, you know, you were sort of going into a store, and spending a lot of money, which is what I did, or there weren't a lot of other solutions. And pretty quickly, I actually met a couple other co-founders, my, my two co-founders, um, who were both interested in entrepreneurship, and we sort of lamented over this shared bad mattress buying experience. One of my co-founders had also worked in consulting um, and had done a project on how buying a mattress is one of the worst created consumer categories. So mm. people, people actually ranked going to the dentist as better than buying a mattress, which is sort of crazy. Um, yeah. It's one of the only industries where you sort of haggle like the guy, it doesn't make anyone feel good. And so we sort of identified this as an, as an interesting area to focus on. Mm. Um, and while we were, while we were working on it, um, Casper launched, which wasn't okay. the first bed in the box, but was sort of the, maybe the biggest at the time and yeah. um, really showed that there was appetite to move this category online. And so, you know, when we looked at the category, we saw a few sort of interesting dynamics. The first is at the time, and, and even today, the vast majority of beds are, are bought in store. So low e-commerce penetration back in 2013, 14, 15, really low e-commerce penetration, now more so. Um, yeah. Second is a lot of sort of aggregation at the supplier level, but a lot of variation at the retail level. And what that means is it's really hard to price compare and sh- and sort of price shop, right? So yeah. if you go to one store, because what was happening is Serta Simmons and some of these larger players were actually putting the same sort of like inside model with a different cover in one store and then in another store. And if you live in Philadelphia, you go to both stores, you had no idea it was the same bed. And so stores could price them accordingly. So it was really opaque in that way. Yeah. And then the third is it's really, really expensive, right? So buying a mattress at, at retail is really expensive. And so I would say all of the um, direct-to-consumer mattress players, including Helix, you know, initially tried to solve those problems, right? By offering, by going direct-to-consumer, we can offer a better price point. By offering you a hundred-night sleep trial, um, by um, giving you ten-year um, warranty, by offering free shipping, we sort of make that process a little bit easier. Um, yeah. And then by like giving you a great web experience, we can sort of make it a little bit easier to buy. Where yeah. Helix differentiated was on sort of the, the last problem of buying at retail, which we identified like literally being people that bought at retail, um, yeah. which is, it's just really confusing. So if you're buying a mattress, there's tons of options. You do it infrequently. Mm. Um, it's expensive. So you want to make sure it's sort of the right choice. It, it feels a little bit more like buying a car than it does buying like I don't know, like a shaving cream or something like that. For sure. And so what ends up happening is at retail, there's there's a person there. There's a salesperson there to help you. And 
The problem is that salesperson is oftentimes sort of creepy. It's not great. They're, they're incentivized to sort of upsell you. Um, and what was happening as a result online is whether it was Casper or Tough to Needle or some of the earlier players um, that preceded us, they were trying to fix the problem of confusion by completely getting rid of choice altogether and offering mm -hmm. one, maybe two mattresses to yeah. each customer. And the research that we did, and I can I can get into some of this because it's sort of a funny story, For sure. um, basically showed that that does a disservice to the customer. So choosing is hard, but no choice is maybe worse because we all have different needs and preferences, whether those needs are based on your body type, so like your height and your weight, um, those needs could be based on your sleeping preferences. Do you um, sleep on your side, on your back, on your stomach? Do you get hot when you sleep? Do you get cold? Uh, do you like something a little bit firmer or softer? And by yeah. offering a single mattress to everyone, you sort of offer at best the second or third mattress, best mattress for, for any individual. And so what we thought was, could we bring a more custom solution to the sleep category by letting people sort of self-select through our quiz online into the into the beds they want. For sure. So I'm curious then, uh, launching with that strategy from day one, it sounds like how many options did you end up having? You have the quiz and you have to have a, few, a line to fit that quiz result. So how many lines did you end up launching with? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I think taking a step back, none of the three of us had any mattress experience. No one had ever worked in a mattress store. No one's family had any mattress background other than one co-founder having done like a two month consulting project on a mattress company once, like yeah. zero other than buying. So we really had to start from, from nothing. And from nothing, we were sort of trying to tackle two problems. How do you actually make the mattresses? And then how do you make good mattresses that really like align with the vision that we wanted to, to create? And yeah. so we sort of started out by saying, well, what do like nerdy Wharton kids do? You, you start to research, right? So we did a ton of research and we basically found that the way that you make mattresses really comfortable is you try to align someone's spine when they're sleeping, which mm. is basically called, um, it's like spinal alignment. You hear a lot about it, like or we call it sleep ergonomics, but you hear a lot about ergonomics when you're like sitting in a chair, like an office chair or something like that. Yeah. Sort of the same, same concept. And we found a research paper um, on how to sort of kind of like optimize sleep ergonomics mm -hmm. by a team of researchers uh, based out of Belgium. And at the bottom of the research paper, one of the, the lead researchers had left his email address. So we shot him an email, said, hey, we'd love to chat with you. Uh, we got in an email. About two weeks later, we got on a Zoom, which is hilarious, by the way. This was back, no, it, was, it wasn't even Zoom, I should say. It was, it was a Skype at the time. It wasn't even <laughs> Zoom, it was Skype. And, yeah. um, and after that Skype, we actually flew to Belgium. and We met them and they were working on a different type of technology. And we actually ended up partnering with them to help us design the models. And so yeah. part of that process, this is sort of a long-winded way of answering your question, but part of that process mm -hmm. landed us at, with a sort of low double-digit set of different types of mattresses, you could cover the vast majority, like something like 95 to 99% of people's various needs and preferences based on what I was talking about earlier. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far. I'd like to pause and say thank you to this episode's mid-break sponsor, France & Son. France & Son believes that good design should be accessible to anyone who wants it. That's a philosophy that they stand by and they recognize the need of the consumers from interior designers to homeowners, and their dedicated team is there to meet those needs. 
So if you're looking for lighting, furniture, or anything else for your home decor, as I run the podcast, it's so important that I have a piece that both looks great in the room, but is also comfortable at the same time. I highly recommend France and Son, and make sure to check them out at franceandson.com and enjoy the rest of the episode. So yeah, once you ended up finding those um, different options, how many SKUs did you end up launching with um, eventually from day one? Yeah, so the SKU count was a low d- double-digit number um, okay. for um, from day one. And what we have actually since, when we launched, it was a little bit like opaque. You would take a, a sleep quiz, which is what we have now, and yeah. you would sort of get matched to a um, to a mattress with like an unknown amount of total SKUs. And yeah. what we quickly realized is that that sort of made customers a little bit anxious. Like there was a there was a desire to have the sleep quiz help sort of navigate you through your buying process. Yeah. But there was also a desire to do a little bit of self-searching yourself and sort of like make sure where the sleep quiz landed you, you feel comfortable with. And I almost think about it a little bit like what we were doing initially was you walked into a store, the salesman looked at you and said, this is the best bed for you. And then that's the only bed they showed you. And what we're sort of doing now is you walk into a store and the salesman says, based on all your needs and preferences, I think this is the best bed for you, but feel free to walk around and look at a couple other ones and sort of like feel a little bit more confident. And so now what we have is we have a set of six SKUs um, across various fields and and preferences uh, for for our standard models. And then we have another six for our like luxury step-up models. And then we have uh, like two sort of what we call like specialty models, one for kids and one for um, plus size and big and tall consumers. Got it. So yeah, in those early days, what were your main marketing strategies? Especially, <laughs> that's an interesting concept of having kind of like that hidden skew strategy where it's just a quiz and they're aligned with that. How did you market that? And especially convincing consumers who are used to this walk-in retail um, for the mattresses historically. Yeah, definitely. So. I think that like, obviously, you know, how do you market early on is really challenging. And yeah, it's also like very much depends on your category and on the market as a whole and on the time as a whole. So, you know, what we're talking about is in 20, August of 2015, selling mattresses online. Yeah. We took a pretty aggressive paid marketing approach pretty early on, mm. really focused on Facebook. Um, Facebook for us at the time, we were finding the best interest there. And so we spent a lot of money on Facebook. And then we also built out pretty robust email flows. Like buying mattresses is a, is a really long lead purchase. So most people, yeah. like if, if you woke up and said, man, I haven't been sleeping well, I wanna buy a new mattress. Like chances are you, you don't buy it that day, right? The chances yeah. are you do some searching and then you maybe go to a website and then maybe you go to a store and then you come home. And if you're married or have a significant other, you talk to that person and then you come back. And so that process, can take days, weeks, even months. And so there's a lot of like lead nurturing across that. And so for us, yeah. a really important channel was email, right? Keeping people in our funnel. Um, we did other mechanisms across that. And you know, since then, our marketing tactics have both grown substantially more robust, but also a lot more diversified. And the amount of dollars as a percent that we that we spend across channel has not been consistent, right? We, we yeah. are, in no way, shape, or form like a Facebook company anymore. And yeah. so there definitely is a wide variety across that. But what I would say, you know, to anyone listening that's sort of thinking about starting their own company or maybe works at a company and you're thinking about like how do you 
do your marketing, like mm-hmm. you, you have to start with the consumer, right? Like you have to really understand what the consumer journey is and how that consumer shops. So, you know, is this a search category or people proactively searching for you? Is it a discovery category or people sort of mulling around kind of aimlessly on Facebook or, or Instagram or TikTok or something like that? And then all of a sudden, like they see something that they love and they, they impulse buy, like yeah. really understanding how that works and then testing into those marketing channels based on how your customer behaves. For sure. So I'm curious in those early days from that marketing um, and also maybe leading into today, what have you found to be the main demographic for Helix? Has that shifted at all? And what is that? Definitely. So it's pretty interesting. We, we live in a category that is inherently mass, right? Everyone pretty much sleeps on a mattress. Um, yeah. And our price point is one that lives at sort of like middle to high end. It's not really budget. It's not really high end. It's sort of maybe aspirational for the lower end of the market and like um, a good deal, or we would position it as like value for the high end of the market. Yeah. Um, and because we offer financing, we we really are available to to, to many or, or most, I would say. Um, yeah. And so by being inherently mass, the, the benefit of that is your market's really good. Like the detriment of that is who, who do you target, right? Who do you really think about? And so, yeah. you know, to answer your question, like more directly, you know, our average age, is a wide range. It isn't, we don't just sell to 25 year old female or 55 year old male. It's, it's like very spread across the board. We, I would say like maybe late twenties to mid to late forties is sort of the core age with okay. a very long tail older, like people in well into their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s are buying mm-hmm. a lot less younger. Like it's it, most people in their, in their sort of early twenties aren't spending a thousand plus dollars on a mattress. So I would say not so much younger. Yeah. And then from a geographic standpoint, we're, we're nationwide. So we ship nationwide, we ship to Canada um, and our um, distribution kind of follows population. So like California, Texas, New York are sort of our top three states, a little bit yeah. more coast coastal, a little bit more urban, a little bit more following trends on overall like e-commerce adoption. But other than that, pretty, pretty mass. For sure. So for the listeners out there, um, from the consumer POV, say someone was logging on to Helix website, what does that process look like? If they were to take the quiz, get assigned to their mattress, what does that consumer flow from uh, purchasing, receiving, it's all in the box, et cetera? Yeah, definitely. So um, typically you'd end up on our website in a few ways. You'd, you'd probably, most people start by searching. So I would say that the typical journey is you decide you want a new mattress and You've either heard about us from one of the mass channels we market in, or you sort of just go to Google and you search for something like best mattress or something along those lines and, and you end up on our site, right? And if you end up on our site, there's sort of two paths. One is you don't know what you want and you would be, you would land on our homepage or on our quiz page. And basically you would take our quiz, which I walked through earlier, and that quiz yeah. would algorithmically map you to the best mattress for you. And we've over seven years now really refined that quiz to like be as perfect as we think we can get it. Mm-hmm. Or if you're someone that comes in with like a specific need that you already know about, like you come in and you say, I just want the firmest bed you offer. You can self-select into that. Mm-hmm. Um, once you get to a mattress, you know, we have a ton of information describing what the mattress is, helping you understand what the, you know, what the components are, why it works for your specific needs and preferences. And then 
assuming you purchase from us, I mean, most people wouldn't purchase the first time. You'd go elsewhere and you'd come back and you'd think about it and maybe you'd get your email. Um, yeah. But assuming you'd purchase, um, you know, you you purchase and then basically we're able to get our mattresses to you typically in three to 10 business days. So it's it's pretty quick. Um, yeah. That, that includes or ships out in three to 10 business days and then usually shipping is anywhere from one to three days depending on where you live. Mm -hmm. um, so call it within a week or two. Um, and the mattress comes to your door roll pack. So you're right, it comes in a in a box. It's sort of, box feels like maybe like a, a large set of golf clubs was in it if you, if you saw it on the street. And yeah. um, that bed um, is super high quality. It's it's sort of, a, it's interesting. It's like a, sometimes people will, will market that having a bed in a box means the uh, materials are sort of less, you know, high end. But the reality is because what, what ends up happening is the mattress goes through a, a machine that actually flattens it and then rolls it. Yeah. And in order for the mattress to come back to life, you actually have to use higher quality materials than a typical mattress because it has to withstand all of that pressure, if that makes sense. So yeah, for sure. it's almost like we're, we're, we have to start at like a, a base level of higher quality materials than your typical bed you'd start in store. And then once you get the bed, um, you know, you bring it to your room, open it up and then basically it sort of grows it feels a little bit like like watching like bread like leaven almost it grows a little bit yeah and then um you know the bed after usually around 20 minutes the bed is 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 fully ready to go and so amazing you know the the mattress that comes in that box could be 12 13 14 inches tall wow incredible so yeah something i want to get into also is the expansion here uh, for the consumers out there if you go to helix website you can see there's an expansion of brands specifically with birch and all form, which is bedding and then sofa and furniture. I'm curious, what led you to expand in these avenues and not keep it under the same house name and specifically launching two new brands? Yeah, definitely. So we've had an interesting sort of brand architecture progression in, in the company. So when we launched, um, we were we were just Helix or just Helix Sleep. And the website's helixsleep.com if people want to check it out. But basically we were just that really focused on how do we build custom sleep solutions for you know, our growing set of hospitals. Mm -hmm. After a few years, we were actually getting a ton of inbound questions, requests, consumer feedback on, do you sell an organic mattress, right? Which is sort of its own, not a separate category. It's not a very large part of the market, but it is a growing part of the market. And it yeah. was maybe the number one request we were seeing from customers of, of products that we didn't sell. And we said, Oh my God, this is a great opportunity for us to continue to grow out our sort of core value proposition, which is building beds for different types of people. Ultimately, like the customization is just a tool for us to build the best bed for what people want, basically. Yeah. And what we realized is that in order to build a cost, a, um, a organic mattress at the time, we felt strongly that you needed to surround that product with a brand that really resonated with that consumer. So, mm -hmm. and and both from like the physical product itself, which requires a different manufacturing process, it requires completely different materials. It has certifications that are both at the material level, at the finished good level, and at the manufacturing level. So the Birch mattress has got certified Green Guard Gold, a whole host of other certifications. We needed to really lean into that and, and do it right, which is why we designed Birch essentially. And so we yeah. sort of saw Birch or Birch, you know, we sometimes position it as Birch by Helix 
as Helix's sort of sister organic brand. Um, sure. Thereafter, one of the other areas we started to look at was, could we expand out of the bedroom into other areas of the home or into other parts of the bedroom, let's say. And we had done a really yeah. good job of expanding um, in, the, in the sleep category. So, you know, Helix started as just mattresses and today we sell sheets, you know, pillows, adjustable bases, box springs, mattress protectors, pretty much everything you put on top or, or underneath your mattress. Uh -huh. Could we extend into other categories and sort of bring the same customization position? And that's where Allform was born. And we wanted to start out by testing that with its own brand to just sort of let it let it breathe and live a little bit. And that's yeah. sort of where we where we are today. And then most recently, we actually um, in October of this past year, Helix, the company and Brooklyn Bedding, which is a large manufacturer in the sleep category, we actually merged companies. So today wow. we sit as a single vertically integrated company with a portfolio of brands where we actually now make all of our mattresses completely in-house. So like wow. the vast majority of mattresses that you would buy from any of our brands, not all yet, but the vast majority you'd buy from any of our brands we are making, which gives us sort of full insight into the entire supply chain, right? From product yeah. development to the actual production, to the consumer experience, to the follow-up of that experience, et cetera. Wow, that's incredible and super impressive. Um, I'd like to conclude each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, uh, maybe something you've learned <laughs> regret along the way, what would that be? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I think obviously the first, the first thing I'll say before I give like the piece of advice I, I usually like to give is yeah, it's really, it really just is different for everyone. Like mm -hmm. there, there isn't like a single path that ever is the same for everyone. And so I think it's really helpful to get a wide variety of opinions and, and preferences and, for sure. and experiences for, for anyone thinking about starting their own company or working at a small um, to medium sized startup. Um, but I, I think the piece of advice that I like to give is it's also not a straight line. So like mm -hmm. every single pitch deck you'll ever see, the one that you'll create if you're you know pitching to raise money or something along those lines mm -hmm. shows, right? It just shows growth from, I'm, I'm on the other side of the screen, but basically growth from the bottom left up and to yeah. the right. And the reality is your sales don't look like that. Your journey doesn't look like that. Your emotional state doesn't look like that. It really is more like a wave, right? Where there's ups yeah. and downs. And the reality is when things are bad, they get better. And when things are good, sometimes they get worse. And so, you know, the, the key to moving forward, because ultimately like, like any wave, like you, you still have to move the, the wave forward yeah. is you want to think of yourself. Like people talk about a lot, like about unicorns, like, you know, and like be a unicorn and all that, but like the real animal reference is, is like a duck. Like you, you basically want to be, you know, calm and cool and collected on the surface, even if your legs underneath are, are you know, going vigorously or, or furiously. Yeah. So I think that that's like a nice analogy to keep in mind and sort of make sure that when things are going bad, you you understand that it's just a time and a place when things are going well, you also understand this is a time and a place and you sort of keep that in mind. For sure. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Helix at helixsleep.com. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode around Adam's entrepreneurial journey. I'd like to say thank you to our closing sponsor, 12 South. 
offering high-end functional products for your Apple products. They quote, we're committed to designing products as innovative as Apple itself. As I run the podcast, it's so important to have products that are functional and aesthetic for my space to make sure that I'm working towards full productivity. Make sure to check out 12South at 12South.com. And if you're looking for a desk riser, a hub, or a caddy to deliver your products from point A to point B, make sure to check out 12South at 12South.com. And I'll see you next week.